When I'm focusing on being a good steward of the gifts that God's given to me, it takes jealousy, envy, and competition off the table. And it just has this wonderful way of freeing you up. What has God given you to work with? And are you working with it? Welcome to Living a Legacy. Our speaker is Bible teacher and author, Dr. Crawford Lorenz. Have you found that to be true? When you use the gifts God has given you, do you feel the freedom, fulfillment, and joy that comes with that service? Well, stay with us as Crawford completes his message, Stewardship, Why Do We Serve? If you're new to our broadcast, our speaker has been in Christian ministry for over 50 years. In that time, he's been a pastor, conference speaker, seminary professor, and author. The messages you hear each week on Living a Legacy come from Crawford's pastoral ministry at Fellowship Bible Church of Roswell, Georgia. That's where he spent 15 years leading that congregation. Following his retirement from Fellowship, Crawford began a leadership mentoring program called Beyond Our Generation. He continues to travel the world, committed to the training of future Christian leaders. Well, as we learned last week, the word stewardship shouldn't always be associated with financial giving. It involves that, of course. However, we're to be good stewards of the gifts and abilities God has given to us as believers. Now, these gifts help to further the message of the gospel in a number of ways. Let's head back to our scripture passage of Romans chapter 12, verses 1 through 8. Allow the Holy Spirit to take inventory of the gifts you've been given and be ready to answer the question, are you using your gifts for God's kingdom? Join our study. Here's Crawford Loretz on Living a Legacy. Every text in which spiritual gifts are emphasized, you'll see two things. Number one, it's a pathway to service. Number two, the primary audience is the body. Whether it's 1 Corinthians 12, whether it's Ephesians 4, whether it is Romans 12, wherever you see spiritual gifts outlined and spoken to, they're not, they're not hyper-individualized. They're not individualized. They're, they're, there's not, they're, they're, they're not scud missiles. They're not things where you go off and do your own thing over here. The, the power and context of those gifts is to be expressed within the body. There's, there's no such thing as an unattached Christian. No such thing. There's no such thing as an unattached Christian. What do you mean by that? Well, when we, you give your heart, we give our hearts and lives to Jesus Christ. We're reconciled to him and we're placed into the body. And you can't separate one from the other. In fact, Paul puts it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. By the way, the context, he's talking about gifts there. He says, for by one spirit have we all been baptized in the body of Christ. And so, so these gifts function. They function in the context of the local church. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, Crawford. Isn't there such thing as a universal body of Christ? Well, that's true. That's true. But you got to be careful. Don't play word games, though. No, 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 don't play word games. Because as you look at each one of these passages, Yes, 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 Paul does have the shades of the universal body of Christ, worldwide and this kind of thing, but he's writing these, these injunctions to specific, visible, identifiable local churches. First Corinthians, the church at Corinth was a, was a church. The believers in Rome, they, you could, they, they met together, church. The church at Ephesus, it wasn't some nebulous, unattached group, it was a church. 
Now, don't, don't get me wrong, you all know, I mean, I, I served 27 years on staff of the Campus Crusade for Christ. I don't, I don't put down parachurch ministries. I love them. I'm on the boards of, uh, boards of several of them. I think they do a great job and a great work and this kind of thing. However, I would say this. God's premium group is the local visible assembly where the gifts are functioning. And any Christian organization that criticizes and dismisses the value and importance of the local church, don't send your money to, and by all means, don't become a part of. So Paul is saying right here that, look, look, we're members of a body, and this is, this is the primary context in which we serve. Now, I realize I just said something very strong and very heavy there, but it really, 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 I stand on strong biblical ground. But it's the context, and the context in which we, these gifts are meant to take on focus and force is those where we love and we do life with, and they're the visible representation of, of the body of Christ. And according to these two verses, it takes many members to make, us, to make up the same body. And by the way, we, we're unified because we are different. But we have the same objectives. And the different elements, the different pieces of the body make up the body. That's what Paul's masterful illustration and divinely inspired illustration of 1 Corinthians 12 of the, of the human body. Different parts don't even look like one another. The hand doesn't look like the nose, and the ear doesn't look like the foot. Just different parts, and yet it makes up one body. And when they function according to their design, man, things move and work and happen. So we need to know who we are. Secondly, we need to know where we belong. But thirdly, we need to know what we have. Now, let me read those two verses again, verses 4 and 5, one more time. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another, one of another. And again, this whole point is that Paul is saying that we this is what we have. we have. We have gifts, but we have each other. We have a unity that does not reduce us to a drab uniformity. In fact, I would argue that dynamic unity can only take place in the context of diversity. Uh, the, the, the thing that blew the, the folks away this early church that blew, the, blew them away, just absolutely blew them away, was the diversity of the body of Christ. Not just in terms of gifts, but also in terms of ethnic makeup. Jews and Gentiles and this kind of thing. And y'all have heard me say here, by the way, there's not one church in the New Testament that is not multi-ethnic. In the early church, this is what blew people away. The, 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 the diversity, the literal, visible diversity, but this is also true in terms of our spiritual gifts. God's not into homogeneity. He's into diversity. He's given us all these different gifts, and you got to know your lane, and you know what you contribute, and the diversity of the gifts that we have, and the way we think, and the way we do things. Different ain't wrong. Different is beautiful. God is not into sameness, but he is into consistency. He's not into sameness. He is into alignment. 
And when you have alignment and consistency and people know what they're contributing because the vision and goal we're all committed to, that's when there's a dynamism that takes place. We are interrelated is what Paul is painting here. We're interrelated. Yeah, you can't have a leg, you know, over there saying it's the body or the arm over there saying it's the body or ear jumping around back over here saying it's the body. No, we're interrelated. My mind says my body needs to turn left, but I can't go right. No, I go with this. We're interrelated. And by the way, the word member has no meaning apart from the body. These members are not... You know, you dissect the body and lop things off and this kind of thing. This is not a body. It's not a body until it's put together. Member has no meaning apart from the body. We can't be a member of nothing. You know, this is the reason why, and I want to encourage you, this is the reason why, you know, I tell people all the time, you don't have to join fellowship, but if you don't want to join fellowship, this may not be your cup of tea. But if you're a follower of Jesus, you better find some place to join Someplace to be a part of. Floating around not only ain't cool, you're going to die on the vine. You see, we need one another, and you need to use what God gave you to help somebody, some group of people be better, whether it's here or somebody else, someplace else. And this is what Paul is talking about. Each member functions to serve the body. Hear me on this. Now, hear me, 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 hear me. This flies in the face of Western Christianity, what I'm about ready to say here, okay? Each member functions to serve the body, not the body to serve the members. The diversity of the body contributes to the unity of the body. Each member exists to serve the body and not the body to serve the members. Now, I, I don't mean to sound self-serving. It's certainly there, there are things that need to be done. But I got, we have to change the way we think here because there's too much of a consumer mindset that we have bought into where we sit there and just wait for the programs to come my way and wait for somebody to knock on my door to, to, to invite me in or, or this kind of thing. And we have our arms folded. These people, you know, they, they raise this money and they got all this stuff here. And, they, you know, I just need, need, need to show me something. Give me a little something. They do this down the road at the other church. How come y'all are doing this for me over here and that's the way that song is sung and I'm not fussing at anybody but it's a mindset that needs to be changed and the reason why we have been given gifts is because we're to view ourselves as contributors you know I mean this is the off-quoted line from JFK in his inauguration it sounds almost like a cliche these days but he was he was right when he says, ask not what the country can do for you, but ask what you can do for the country. And sometimes we just need to be thinking in terms of uh, not what the church can do for me, but what can I do for the church? What can I give? What can I contribute? Now, again, let me, let me balance that by saying I am not suggesting, you know, we need to be criticized sometimes as leaders. And God knows, I don't, you know, I don't always say and do things right, and there are things that I can do better, and I welcome, I welcome constructive input and all of that, so don't, don't hear me as saying that, but rather we've got to change the way we think in order to be effective. The fourth statement that he makes really is a conclusion. 
Know who you are. Know where you belong. Know what's been given to you. But now fourthly, don't waste your gift. Don't waste your gift. Now, it's not Paul's intention to list all the spiritual gifts here. You look at this passage and you say, oh, there's only seven gifts that he listed here. Why didn't he fill out the rest of the list? Well, because that's not his purpose. The purpose here is not so much to talk about the gifts, but to talk about our motivation, to talk about urgency. That's the tone of the text. And so he only lists seven gifts here. You'll get a complete list if you go to Ephesians 4, but Romans, I mean, 1 Corinthians 12. Couple that with these, these three texts here will give you a, a fuller picture of what these spiritual gifts are. But his point here is found in the prepositions, not so much found in the listing of the gifts itself. What do you mean by that? Well, verse 6, for example, he says, according to the grace given to us. Uh, let me just say this first. That expression means, according to the grace given to us, he's saying that the distribution of spiritual gifts is a manifestation of God's grace. God gave you a gift. God gave me a gift. God, usually you have more than one gift. God gave us gifts as an expression of his grace. And that expression of his grace does not stop with us. That expression of his grace through that gift is to flow through us. So it's a manifestation of his grace. But notice, Paul says that if that is so, and if we are stewards of this, then, oh, brother, we better get after it. Now, listen, I'm going to read these, these verses, but listen to the prepositional phrases that he uses right after the gift. Verse 6, it says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. That's the operative expression. Let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in his generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. You get his point? Don't mail it in. Don't play with it. God's given you these gifts. He's given you these abilities. He's given you these talents. Don't sit on them, Crawford. Don't C-minus this thing. Don't give these people Sunday morning some little Saturday night special that you slap together. If you're going to lead, lead. You're going to teach, teach. If you're going to give, give. Put your heart and soul in it. Don't play with it. Why? Because it is a grace gift. Use it. That's what he's telling us, us to do. Have, have you ever seen a gifted person, a gifted but lazy person? I wish I could say I haven't, but I, I've seen a bunch of them in my lifetime. Gifted but flat out lazy. And you look at them and you scratch your head. Man, you got all this ability. You got these gifts. What are you doing? Why are you mailing it in? You know how many folks need what you have? You know what this church could be 
like what do you have? I say this not to make anybody feel guilty here. Please don't hear me say this at all. But too many of us are sitting around waiting for somebody to ask us. Now, there is that responsibility. We do need to engage people. But there's a whole lot of stuff you can do that doesn't need organizational permission or structure. It just needs to follow your heart and use those gifts. Let me give you, click off, five things that I think happens when we use our gifts. Listed here today. One is this. Hinted at this, but let me just say, number one, when we use our gifts, it becomes a primary way of expressing God's love and grace through us. The primary way. It's a grace gift. And when you use your gift, it's the primary way in which God expresses his, 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 his love and his grace to others through us. Secondly, when we use our gifts, and this is a big one, it aligns our lives and activities to God's plan and purposes for our lives. There's a relationship to the use of your gift and a sense of purpose. Some of us may not be experiencing a sense of purpose because we're not utilizing our gifts. And the use of our gifts aligns us. It has a way of putting us in that trajectory of God's plan and God's purposes for our lives. And it could be as simple as that. Use it. Thirdly, when we use our gifts, it uh, points us toward being contributors and not consumers. It, it reduces that mindset. It, it just, it's, it's it, you know, it's, you get away from that what have you done for me lately mindset, and you, you view yourself as bringing something to the table and not taking stuff off of the table. You're no longer the person who eats the most at the buffet. You're the person that, that puts out the dishes of food there. You bless other people, and it changes the way you think. You become less critical and less demanding and more sensitive and more engaged, and there's more ownership in your heart and life of, of the whole because you're bringing something to the table. Uh, number four, when we use our gifts, it makes where we are better because we were there. This is a goal of my life. I don't know where I got this from. I had somebody, you know, a number of years ago, I think seeing selfish leaders did something to me. Seeing self-serving leaders, and I hate to say it, but in Christian work, seeing selfish leaders who are acting like prima donnas, sucking all the air out of the room, it just developed in my heart, oh, God, help me. Help me. Wherever I am, I want that place to be better because I was there. And I think that should be the mindset when, and when you use your gift and you serve that way, you, 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 make, you make stuff around you better. You make people better. You make the environment better. You make the church better. And then number five, when we use our gifts, it has a way of creating opportunities. I can't explain, but it's true. Um, people who use their gifts are not running around usually looking for something to do. When you use your gifts, it has a way of creating opportunities. And if you want opportunities to serve, start serving. 
that. It ain't that heavy. You want opportunity to serve? Start serving. In fact, isn't that what Proverbs, what is that? Proverbs uh, 18, 16 says, a person's gift will make room for himself and bring him before great people. When you use your gift, it has a way of getting rid of boredom. It has a way of blowing up complacency because you're engaged. Are you using what God gave you to work with? I tell younger leaders this all the time because I've had to learn it the, the hard way. That when I'm focusing on being a good steward of the gifts that God's given to me, it takes jealousy, envy, and competition off the table. It's remarkable. It's, it's, it's just remarkable. There's the security in knowing, yo, dude, I ain't got the best bicycle in the world, but I'm pedaling as fast as I can on the one that God gave me. And it just has this wonderful way of freeing you up. I tell you that from experience. Wonderful way of freeing you up. So answer that question. What has God given you to work with? And are you working with it? Are you working with it? Your life is too short to procrastinate. And by the way, if you're here and you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, he's got gifts for you. He's got things that he wants to do in you. He's got good works that he's prepared ahead of time. And that first work is the work of forgiveness. The first work that he has for you is to forgive you as he has forgiven all of us of all of our sins. And all you have to do is say, Lord Jesus, Thank you for dying on the cross for me. I turn from my sin and I trust you as my Savior and my Lord. And he'll change your life. Know who you are. Know where you belong. Know what's been given to you. And don't waste your gift. And yes, it all begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Crawford Loritz, our speaker here on Living a Legacy. Stewardship, Why Do We Serve? The title of today's message. Well, if you missed some of the points from today's broadcast, you can hear it again on our website, livingalegacy.org, livingalegacy.org, or stream it on your favorite streaming platform. If you find Crawford's teaching to be helpful, take a few minutes to let him know. We received a great email recently from Will, who writes, Being a 22-year-old early in the faith Christian, Crawford's messages provide me with biblical insight. I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart, as I've been struggling lately with issues related to court probation, not knowing if I'll be able to get a job, etc. But Crawford's recent message has reminded me that God is more powerful than the things we face in this world, and also that I'm free in Christ. Crawford said, listen to the wisdom of older believers, respect and submit to authority, and stay focused through discipline. Well, these topics need to be discussed much more frequently in these times, especially to my generation. I pray your ministry is uplifted and you continue to touch hearts and challenge minds. Praise God for your ministry. Will, we are so grateful for your email. Thanks for taking the time to write to us at legacyatmoody.edu. Legacyatmoody.edu. For Crawford Loritz, I'm Bill Davis. Thanks for joining us today. This program is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.